What is up, guys? Anthony Davis here, and with me today is Rizwan Mertzent, Nathan Desaw. That sounds like a really bad voicemail there. <laughs> <laughs> and we are basically doing uh, part three of our Sentai Tokyo reviews. As always, we're Toku Secrets, and yeah, let's get going. Let's let's start. All right, so we're starting off with episode 17, and most uh, most Sentai geeks should probably know that episode 17 is the typical uh, point where the Sixth Ranger is introduced. Uh, there's only a few exceptions I can think of. Uh, Sometimes it's 16, but yeah. We prefer the term nerds. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's Sentai nerds. Uh, there you go. There's... There's a few exceptions. Uh, sometimes they'll introduce it later. Uh, Mega Ranger and uh, Time Ranger did that. And sometimes they'll do it incredibly early, like uh, the Sentai that came before this, uh, Cure Uter. But I, like, They don't get one to like, episode uh, 9, I believe. That is 9. 8 yep. is when he actually is preferred, and 9 is when he actually they the debut as, as the Sixth Ranger. So, but here they went back to... Uh, the typical time when a sixth ranger comes in. Uh, so, so basically, when it, so as we ended the last video, episode sixteen it, at the very end, like like for like the last minute of the episode, uh, conductor and ticket received a new henshin device. Uh, I don't know if it was named in that episode or not, but it was an iPhone like changer called the Apple Changer. And it came with a small little orange ratio that was called the build ratio. And in this episode, uh, I'm pretty sh like I'm pretty sure that the episode kind of started off with like a brief uh, dark liner battle. But basically, after that, basically after that brief battle, conductor and ticket <clears throat> revealed to the Tolkujers that now that they have the Apple Changer, they are going to be receiving a, a new. Tokyo is going to be joining the is going to be joining the team and just one thing I want to note before we go on like there's this really brief moment where uh this weird like we, we I don't think we've mentioned her in the previous episodes but about the show we, we've had like this I guess you could kind of call her an alpha type character her name is wagon or something oh god I forgot about wagon uh, <laughs> how did you forget about wagon Oh, anyway, she wasn't uh, interested. You know, you know why we forgot about Wagon? I'll tell you why. Wagon's boring. She's acting. She's really creepy. She's weird. Creepy. Weird. Creepy. And just kind of continuing on with her creepiness, as Riz said, she questions whether or not she'll become the sixth Tolkuger. Oh God! Thank. So, God. See, well, no, 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 no. You gotta get it right. Oh. I will intensely become the next Tokyuzer because I'm so intensely a Tokyuzer. Because intensely, intensely. Yeah, no. That's, um, that's, that's what she says every time she says anything. What I'm really confused about, what exactly is she? Is she a robot or is she just... I don't know what she is. I think she's a robot. <laughs> but, yeah, if, but then, okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll give you the best answer I can possibly give you for everything. Because... You got a little hand puppet. It's actually a hand puppet. It's not really like uh, an extension of conductor. You, you you ready for this, Anthony? You ready? Yeah. The answer to your burning question here is imagination. 
that explains it. That explains all. Of course. <laughs> look, look, it's like Ghost said. There's a simple explanation for all of this. And exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's yeah. even more, that has to happen now. Somebody on YouTube, please go do a thing where Ghost is trying to explain some whatever it was with Zake. And then cut to a conductor yelling, Imagination! So, or you could this possibly needs take, to happen on, so badly. You could take the SpongeBob clip too, where he has the rainbow in his hands, but. <laughs> I would say no to that in a heartbeat, only because I hate SpongeBob. Well, I. Oh, and, then, okay. and then our subscriber count goes down. Yes. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. So anyway, what happens after that is that the Tolkujers are wondering who their new Tolkujer is going to be, and then they hear a harmonica playing in the <clears throat> in the background, and they look outside, and they see this mysterious this mysterious man who's playing the harmonica with uh, it raining, like, and it's actually not raining outside. There's only just like a small portion of rain falling down on him. That harmonica and, sounds so beautiful. It yeah, is. it does actually. And they're wondering if he's going to become the next Tolkien, but conductor says that he's not going to, and apparently, like, and explains to him that he's just a railway worker on the Rainbow Line who used to be a shadow monster. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he says that his name is Zaram, and Zalem, but yeah, yeah, Zalem, and he apparently. Uh, and apparently, since he wanted to atone for his actions as a shadow monster, he switched sides to the rainbow line. And I, I kind of say he actually appeared a lot earlier because this this would have been like a perfect opportunity to have him featured earlier on as like a constant like enemy to the into, into the uh, Tokusers, and then he'll eventually join the good side. No, I think the way they did it was actually pretty well done because. It's overdone to have, like, the guy fight them for so many episodes, and then all of a sudden, oh, look, you're one of him. You're one of them, you know? It's, it's just overdone, overplayed. Here, there's some conflict in the past where he did some bad stuff, and now he's trying to atone for his sins, and that's all you need to know. You yeah. don't need to see everything he's done in the past. Also, can I just point out here that I think... I would laugh a lot if Conductor had become the Tokyo Six. Funny you should mention that, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, basically, what happens uh, after that is that uh, all the other Tokyo's agree and they just decide to be done with it. But right, for some reason, we don't really get. For some reason, really wants this Zarum guy to join. So the answer to the reason. Imagination. <laughs> so basically, what happens is that he sneaks off the he sneaks off the ratio, uh because they had to stop so that the uh, so that Zarm could fix the trap, because fix fix one of the switches so that they could continue, and they <clears throat> and they, but while Wright sneaks off the uh, Rainbow Express, he gets attacked by General Schwartz. And Zaram actually assumes his monster form, which I'll admit actually looks kind of cool. It ha he has a sort of a cowboy theme ish, I guess you could kind of call it. Uh, it like 
What do you like? What do you guys think about it? I actually really liked it. I um kind of wanted to know more about like the monster's origin for that. Yeah. Because I was curious on how is he like wearing the cowboy apparel for that, or that's why the, is it a thing? That's why I wish he was introduced earlier. Like not not. I mean, he doesn't have to fight the fight to you just per se. Like you like you were saying. But he just could just be there to establish that, okay, we, we know who this guy is, and then we'll see why he wants to join, and, you know. I mean, I could see I could see that if he were, like, one of the... If he were on the same level that Nero, Noir, Swartz were, and he was, like, one of those people, and, yeah, I mean, that'd just be ideal. Like, if you were to switch over, like, being a high-ranking person in the Sato... Yeah. Then, you know. He's actually the only shadow that, that has his own name that's not he, he's not a uh, general, but he also has his own name. I thought he he'd be considered like rain shadow or something. But so ba so basically what happens after that is that uh, uh Zarum assumes his form and he uses it to fight off General Schwartz and then after General Schwartz <clears throat> and then after General Schwartz flees, uh, Zarum takes right to the side, and takes right to the side, and he's tending to Wright's wounds, and he reveals more of his backstory, where we find out that <clears throat> while he was Zarum, he used his power, he basically had the power to make it rain, and he basically used this power to like make people's lives miserable, like most typical shadow monsters we've seen in the past. But but after, but after one of his rains, one of his, uh, one of the times when he created rain, created a rainbow, he really like he looked at the rainbow and he thought like, wow, I mean that's really beautiful, and that's what ultimately decided that he didn't want to cause any more crimes, and he pretty much made it a goal that he would protect the light that he saw on a rainbow and. He pretty and he believes that because of all the actions that he made as a shadow, he deserves to die. So like, but basically, basically, he out of all the shadows I've seen, like he seemed like the least one that that actually does anything actually villain like with the whole rain thing. It's like, so it's a rain day. It's not like evil. It's just a, kind of like a yeah kind of day. Yeah. I yeah, I wouldn't say I say that's evil or dark or crazy and dark. It's just that kind of like a, it kind of bums you out, in a sense. Yeah, I can kind of see that. That was a problem that I had with uh, the introduction of uh, this character. But I mean, I guess like I would have liked it a bit better if they made him maybe a little bit more darker as a character. Like, actually had him kill maybe some more innocent people, thus making like I. Like, that's kind of making him think that he truly is a person who deserves to die. Because I really think that, like, deserving to die just by ruining some people's day by making it rain, that doesn't really, that definitely doesn't garner death penalty or anything. Well, do you know for certain he didn't kill anyone? He he never really said it. And I'm pretty sure no. he probably remembers something like that. Well, I mean, if I kill somebody and I'm like, in the position I am right now with this Rainbowland, I wouldn't want to tell them that. I wouldn't okay. want to talk about it at all. 
that's a good point. I mean, but, for all you know, he killed people when he was taken over to town. With the rain, though, I mean, well, he's using probably really clever. He probably could have killed somebody like by drying them in, in, in internal rain. That could be a possibility. Yeah. And I and before we can, I hope that it that I'm not like for the people that are listening. I hope I'm not making it out like I don't like this new Six Ranger character because I actually really do. I will talk a little bit more about like why I like him probably at the end of this video. But I, I'm just pointing out a few problems I have with him like at the moment. Yeah. Because when I was watching this episode, of course, like I didn't know what else was going to happen to him in the future. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, here's a thought. Maybe they just want the kids to be like, okay, well, he didn't do anything wrong, so I can see why people, why he, why they want him to be the Sixth Ranger right away because they don't want him to have any kind of like negative, negative uh, baggage, you know, as far as like yeah. him being as a like, as an evil character, redeeming himself, etc. So, <clears throat> pretty much the way that the episode continues to play out is that, uh, right. Ripe still wants Zarum to join. Uh, the Tolkuchers get attacked by General Schwartz. And I'm pretty sure there's like a scene like close to me into the episode where Conductor says that the Tolkuchers need help and he tries to use the Apple Changer, but Ticket transforms into Tolkuch 6, which is just mm. stupid. But Ticket is such a worthless character. I hate Ticket. Conductor at least amuses me by saying Imaginous! So basically, uh, after that, uh, Wright is given, uh, Wright takes the Apple Changer, and he and Zarum arrive at the fight, and, Zar and Zarum takes the Apple Changer, and he uses it to transform into Tokyo Rokugo, and this, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people enjoyed this, because this is the first time, uh, since the third Sentai actually, Battle Fever J, where we have an Orange Ranger. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people were also happy because this is also the first Sentai since you can either say Deca Ranger or possibly Geki Ranger that we finally have a sixth Ranger that's not gold or silver. And as much as I like gold and silver, sixth Rangers. That's definitely a blessing because we definitely need less gold and silver six rangers. Wow, you're right. It's been a while. Like, like you could say with Deca Ranger since Deca Ranger six ranger was white, and if you count Geki Chopper as a sixth ranger in Geki Ranger, then yeah, it's since Geki Ranger. But Go Kaiser didn't count Geki Ranger as a sixth ranger. But so. do you count the one in uh, Mazda Ranger as a actual sixth ranger? Maji Shine? I don't think it's a, I don't think it's actually gold. I think it's just like a special hero. Yeah, but the color is considered gold and like he has gold armor, so mm, I guess. And plus that uh, he have a ranger key, so Yeah, like yeah, yeah, but so did um What are those things are called in uh Geki Ranger? Like what the American if uh equivalents of Camille and uh Dicey. Uh, the ring beauty warriors. Yeah. yeah. I really they had keys too though. Yeah, but they were considered uh extra heroes, like while while uh Maji Shine's uh Ranger Key was among those Ranger Keys that Bosco had as part of the sixth Rangers. Yeah. 
And plus that um he he wasn't he was a part of the uh guy's uh gold mode. Yeah. True, well, true. Anyway, so <clears throat> so Zarum so after becoming Tokyo Rokugo, Zarum believes that he's found a place a place that's worth dying. The rain cloud that had been like hovering above him like ever since the beginning of the episode disappears while he's transforming and he charges in to battle against General Schwartz and it's actually kind of funny because uh, this actually shows a habit that he would have in early episodes where rather than try to fight with his main weapon, which, uh, his main weapon is like a is a club-like weapon that resembles like one of those sticks that you use to guide a train in a direction. It's called the Udo Breaker. He throws it away and tries to fight in hand-to-hand combat, which that was, that, funny. that was kind of funny and cool at the same time. Uh, basically, uh, the battle ends with Tokyo Rokugo. Uh, I'm pretty sure it ends with like them, like get him and General Schwartz, like going evenly matched. Like they both shoot like. A final attack. Uh, General Schwartz flees and Zarum collapses. And the episode ends with the Tokyujers waking up Zarum. Zarum thought that he was dead, but he's really mad when it turns out that he's alive still. Uh, he gives right back the apple changer. He get and he walks off in a huff, you know, because he's still not wanting to become Tokyo Rokugo. And that ends episode seventeen. Yay. So we move right into uh, Station 18, which, uh, well, actually, no, no, I'll talk, I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, after we get to, uh, after we're done with episode 19, I am going to want to talk about a certain issue that I have here. But basically, in episode, in Station 18, the Tolkugers, the Tolkugers basically still want Zarum to join the Tolkugers and and uh, though of course uh, Ticket and Conductor don't want him to because you know he's a former shadow monster and I'm pretty sure what and basically what happens is that <clears throat> is that basically to kind of like sum up the episode with what happens Wright talks with Zarum and eventually convinces him to to join the Tolkugers. The other four Tolkugers actually give him a new name. Uh, he is given the name of Akira Nijino, and I I know that Akira means rainbow in Japanese. I just can't remember what the Ninjino part um, what the Ninjino part means. Uh, I think it was a uh, for shining rainbow. I think. Which, you know, which definitely kind of uh, makes sense because it was shown that it was shown that he likes uh, that he likes rainbows. So uh, Akira Akira finally decides to become uh, Tokyo Rokugo permanently and he even happily accepts the name of Akira. Though what sucks about this episode, like I have a really huge complaint here. We don't get a full sixteen transformation with the Tokugers. Like basically, it's that like um, two, three, four, and five are already transformed, and it's just Wright and Akira transforming. 
and then it goes into roll call. That really sucked, in my opinion, because that's one of the cool parts about a. Uh, what any rains are coming in, yeah. Yeah. In fact, the first time that we actually get a full sixteen transformation isn't until a few episodes later, and they just skim over it as if it's not even that big of a deal. So actually, okay, so jumping ahead for just a split second because you brought it up, Go ahead. the uh, full team morph is kind of lame, actually. What uh, he's pointing at his his hand. Yeah. Like okay, when they're doing their final like. Uh, pose before they go fight and it's like the big background and everything they all do like the pose and like that uh, clockwise pattern and it ends with Rokugo just pointing his right hand at his left hand and I'm like that's not a pose no. stop it do something more dramatic anyway he's, he's saying like oh I'm 60 he's like 60 <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I'm here. Do the thing. No, and it, one interesting thing about this episode is that at one point, uh, Zed actually tries to uh, torture uh, torture uh, Zarum, well, Akira in this case, because we're, we're pretty much going to call him Akira from this point forward, uh, into figuring out how he was able to open up his heart to, like, the light instead of being a shadow monster, which... To be fair, it's actually a really cool thing. I'm definitely glad that they gave Zet some sort of involvement here because that definitely does seem like something that Zet would be interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and that's literally like what the Shadow Monster is all about. But eventually, like Zet realizes that. <clears throat> um, well, actually, no. Zet realizes that uh, Akira was only able to like open up his heart up to light by seeing a rainbow and he gets really mad that he can't be accepted by the light so he just leaves the shadow monster uh all six tokujers fight against him and it ultimately ends with uh <clears throat> akira using one of his support ratios uh the drill ratio because well unfortunately a big thing in sentai is that every time i think it's well established by this point that whenever a sentai has one of those mechas that like can work as different arm attachments, they always have to have that drill one. I mean, we've seen this in Abba Ranger, Bokinger, uh, I guess you could kind of say it was in a Kyoryuger, and now you have this one. Uh, yeah. Even and... Go-Kaiser had it. Oh, yeah, yeah, with the Go-Jujin. Yeah. So, so, and they defeat the Ring Shadow, and the episode ends with Akira still deciding to go on, <clears throat> go on his like continue to remain as Tokyo Rokugo, but he still says that he still wants to fight in his own way. You know, pr pretty much just being that kind of a loner sixth ranger, like just saying like I'll still fight, but I'm just gonna do it my way, and you guys better stay out of my way or something like that. And I don't think it's more of a, like I don't think he meant like stay out of my way. It's just more of a I don't want to join you on the train. I'll just. I'm I'm below y'all. Pretty much. That that's what I got. I feel like he felt like he's not worthy of it. I definitely like him being a loner though because what like like I am actually relieved on that because the past few Sentai's like ev like starting with Shinkinger, we've we've had just a bunch of comic relief six rangers that are way too like 
sugar like really sugar high characters gokai silver and uh shinking gold gokai uh, silver is definitely sugar high anyway and did you mention uh sorry um go ahead uh you can go ahead did you mention the entire hikari not trusting uh zalem part because that's actually pretty important here no i don't think i did okay so right is uh under the He's been captured by the Sado uh, monster of this episode. And he's getting like a really bad headache from the uh, effects of the Sado power. Because they keep saying his name over and over again. And Zalem's like, I can help. And Hikari's like, I don't trust you. But Zalem says, I will help save Wright and find my place to die. And Hikari grudgingly agrees, okay, fine, you can help. Because mm-hmm. remember, Hikari is the one that is always the logical thing. He he they, he doesn't apply like the emotions to the situation. He keeps emotion out of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, he may like Akira, the idea of Akira, but logically, hell no. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And he he's the one who actually gives Akira his name, though. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the next episode, uh, Station 19, is ba- <clears throat> is basically uh, the last episode. It's basically a typical last episode for the typical Sentai Sixth Ranger introduction trilogy. And I will talk about that in a second after we get done talking about this episode. Uh, where basically, Akira has found a new ratio on the rain on the railway. Uh, it actually turn. It is actually a uh, we later find out that it's actually the uh, ratio that's made for Tokyo Rokugo. It's the uh, build ratio, which is basically a construction-like train. It it it's like a crane-like thing that you sometimes see in uh in some uh, trains. Like like if there are any Thomas the Tank Engine fans out there, it's like uh, the breakdown train, I guess you could kind of call it. Uh, but anyway, so and basically the episode is that Togachi. Because of course, Togachi has to steal the spotlight in some case. Uh, um, <laughs> he's turned off by Akira's very reserved and somewhat, uh, I guess you could kind of say, uh, uncaring nature. And he's trying to befriend Akira. And basically, what happens is that he, <clears throat> uh, he basically sneaks off the rainbow line and tries to befriend Akira while he's while while Akira is actually trying to like rewire the uh, controls and build ratio so that he can figure out how to drive it. And in the episode, uh, uh, <clears throat> while a new shadow monster, it's called the uh, Fence Shadow, traps the rainbow line under the ground where everybody except Akira and Togachi are trapped under it and basically the episode resolves with Akira finally mastering how to control build Dio uh, no 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 build ratio sorry and then he frees the Tokyo he frees the other Tokyujers there's kind of a funny yet kind of moment that's not going to make sense that's probably going to create a plot hole much later where 
right tries to use Akira's build ratio to do a transfer change to orange, and it doesn't work. Uh, the only explanation that we get is that Ticket explains that Tokyo Rokugo doesn't have to switch lines. Uh, and then <clears throat> uh, Akira is able to reveals that he can transform the build ratio to become build IO, and and he is even able to do that even further by combining it with drill ratio, and he's able to destroy Fint Shadow, and it's uh basically uh, and basically the episode kind of ends with Togachi realizing that even though Akira doesn't comes off as if he doesn't care his helping the Tolkugers with Bill Dio was kind of his way of showing that he does see the Tolkugers as friends he just has a weird way of showing it uh and now that we're done with episode 19 I do want to point out that here's an issue that I have with this. Uh, I've pointed that I don't know if anybody else would kind of figure this, but with a lot of Sixth Ranger introductions, I see a trend happening here. They first appear in episode 17. Uh, usually, they're, in that episode, their character is set up. Uh, <clears throat> uh, in some cases, they'll already have their powers, and, and, then, and in other cases, it'll <clears throat> Sorry, it'll uh, it'll revolve around them becoming rangers. Uh, episode eighteen will revolve around them like joining the team. Uh, in some cases, they're either loners who don't want anything to do with the team, or in some cases, like with Shinkinger and Gokaiger, the Red Ranger is just saying, "No, you suck. Get out." Uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and. Then you have episode 19, which is just like a typical episode where, like, it revolves around them, like, having a rocky relationship with one of the members of the main team, mm -hmm. uh, which, in mm -hmm. this case, uh, and in this case, you can kind of tell it revolved around Akira's introduction, of Akira's relationship with Togachi. God dang it, Takati. Ugh. And I have to admit that I really... Especially since, like, this is, like, our first Orange Ranger, and especially, like, since Akira, from the looks of it, he is an interesting Ranger, but his introduction is just so typical. I mean, I've seen, I've seen six Ranger arcs that sometimes might maintain, sh like, some parts of this, but, you know, there's kind of a, a different thing that kind of makes them good. Like, for example, my favorite uh, Sentai Sixth Ranger, Bo Sixth Ranger, Boken Silver, in some ways, he did kind of have this kind of introduction, but what makes him good is that they took two episodes, like, they actually took two episodes to set him up as a character before they even made him Boken Silver. Uh, and, you know, there's other ones, like, uh, of course, Dragon Ranger, where you had, like, six episodes where he was evil. Um, mm -hmm. So, I... I was just really disappointed with Akira's arc, how it ultimately just kind of became, how it ultimately just amounted to a typical Sixth Ranger introduction. Yeah. Like, you guys got anything mm. to that? Yeah, it definitely, now that you mentioned this, it reminds me of uh, Gokaiser with a uh, uh, guy, Ikari. He appears already powered, no big deal. He's trying to prove himself worthy. But it's not until the next episode that he proves himself capable of being a Gokaiser. And in the following episode, 
everyone's like, oh, God, you're so cool. Oh, God, you're so awesome. And uh, Don actually feels very threatened by this. And he has a little conflict with uh, Guy. Until Guy explains, no, you, you, I used to be the one that's, like, jealous of you. Like, you're so cool and this and that. And Doc's like, uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 I see what you mean by that. It's a, It seems like a common trend. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the next episode is—I guess you can just call a—it's uh, basically just a filler episode. Uh, More filler. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, to to be fair, though, I actually think that this is a pretty cool filler episode. Uh, I like the cat at the end. Yeah, pretty much how the episode turns out is that uh, the Tokyujer show up at this station where this. Uh, where this shadow monster, like, pretty much, like, sends them, like, flying in the air or something every time they laugh. <laughs> and, <laughs> Oops, there I go flying in the air. Whoops. And, but because Akira has such a very no-nonsense and, like, serious personality, he's not laughing at all. And ultimately, the Tokyujers try to find a way to, like, uh, save the day and... I guess just to kind of sum it up, what really makes the episode cool is that the episode ends with uh, with Akira actually laughing while he's controlling uh, Dildayo, and it turns out that uh, he has a love for cats because he's taking care of the cat. <laughs> like it's a really adorable scene, actually. Like <laughs> it was so sweet. <laughs> Akira's laughing and he's looking at the cat, and Kagura's walking up to him. It's like, oh, you love cats, and uh. <laughs> and he's like, "What? No, not at all." And then like, he gets really embarrassed by that. And then the owner of the cat, who he had taken the cat from, shows up because uh, she he had given her his harmonica in exchange for the cat, and she said that her parents were allowing her to keep the cat anyway. So she takes the cat. We see a really miserable look on Akira's face. That he's he like, he's like, oh, like I'm taking my cat way by. He's like, oh. We'll forget you too. <laughs> it, it is just real. Like I, I felt sorry for him. Like I felt upset. It was so funny and so quick. It was just like his expression changed just like that. It's really he is so funny. like he gets so embarrassed by all this stuff. He's like, uh, that wasn't me. No, not at all. Um, no. And that's pretty much how the episode ends after that. Uh, uh, we get, and then in station twenty, we get another filler episode and I'm like yeah 21 uh well technically it leans toward a big episode but you could kind of call it a filler episode and uh yeah it's it's a kind of a leading up to a real episode uh still unlike the previous one that I just mentioned I did not like this episode uh basically uh it's a typical body swap episode uh what happens is that uh, Madame Noir is getting ready to <clears throat> is getting ready to uh, have Lita and Zet have their wedding, and but of course, as we established previously in the series, Lita doesn't want to marry Zet, and she runs off because she wants to be with General Schwartz. So she actually comes up, to be fair, with a clever plan. Where she gets this new shadow monster. I'm not sure what he was called. Uh, uh, insert name here. And he and 
basically what happens is that when the Tolkien show up to battle the shadow monster, Glita ends up switching bodies with Mio and so that she can use Mio's body to like be free while Mio is while Mio is pretty much her and she'll be the one forced to marry Zet. So yeah. I'll, so I'll be honest, that's kind of an okay plan, but like but a huge like I'm like and while Kagura is off with Mio trying to figure like with her like blowing to misery, you know, because she uh because she's in the body of uh, pretty much Grimace's creepy baby now. Oh God. Yeah. And what was really I'll like, kill myself after that. Interesting was that like I actually did I didn't mind her being Mio being Mio's body because you know Mio was like well bland and we see her like her expression just changes. She's more happy. She's like yeah I'm pretty. You know, it's just funny to see that. I think she just should have stayed like that. <laughs> Mio as Glita? No. I mean, personality-wise, at least. Yeah. Though I gotta say, I couldn't imagine her Tokyo saying anything like that. Like, she can't even, no, she can't move her arms that far. And, and then, like, just because they want to add some comic relief, uh, Wright, Togachi, and Hikari... Uh, all fall under the spell and it and of course they're and I really don't like this because apparently like uh, Togachi is put in Hikari's body and that's just no 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 that's the biggest way you can insult that character yeah um, yeah so basically what so the epi- and basically what ha- and to make the thing that's worse is that since Mio is now in a shadow monster's body, she starts to weaken. So the Tokyujers have to figure out how they can save how they can save uh, Mio. Her imagination. Yep, and uh, and basically, I get okay, okay. Right now, like I, I just looked up the name of the monster. He was called the uh, Sabao Shadow. That's kind of a weird name. So, uh, so basically, what ha- so the episode pretty much ends with uh, Dieselo and Dieselo and Bill Dio defeating Sabal Shadow, which restores the uh, which restores everyone back to their original bodies, and <clears throat> and. Uh, Glita tries to go to General Schwartz so that they can elope, but it turns out that General Schwartz had led her to Zet. So, uh, and that leads us into our next episode, which is a two-parter here, uh, episode 22 and 23. And before we go on, I would like to say, uh, this is kind of the point, uh, a lot of Sentais have these, and this, this is actually something I don't mind because this is like one of my favorite parts of almost every Sentai I've seen these days. It's like the mid-scene big battle like where they like where like in some way like the plot like goes through some heavy change or well at least what counts as a plot here until future because mm-hmm. we, we have see- no plot. Yeah. Filler see- City baby. Filler <laughs> City yeah. baby. No it's Filler Station. Station. Because <laughs> Like, if I remember, like, a lot of the big Sentais that I've seen, like, because technically with, uh, since there's only 47 stations in Tokyo, 
technically you can kind of say that this is the midpoint of the season. Yeah. And a lot of seasons usually have like a huge battle. Uh, like some of the top of my head, uh, you have uh, Go Busters where midway through the season they had that battle where they entered the sub-dimension to battle the Messiah. That was mm-hmm. huge. Uh, I'll wrap, um, like literally in the 24th episode, which uh, of Cure Uger, and Cure Uger has only 48 episodes, so this is literally the midpoint. They have that moment where uh, they battle against uh, a revived Devos. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's kind of pushing it with Go Kyger a little bit since this was way beyond the midpoint, but maybe you could kind of count that point in Go Kyger where they battle against the great Warzu and they unlock their own grand power to create Kansen Go Kaio, maybe. I but- would actually say that the two parter with um Hurricanes are Yeah, that's probably a bit better. That literally is the midpoint for Go Kyger. Yeah. Yeah. But but the bottom line of this is that like almost every like almost every Sentai, especially these days, has that moment in their mid season where they want to do something big and this is uh Tokyo's case. So <clears throat> so basically what happens in this two parter, uh with episode twenty two, Mio starts to recover a memory of their hometown, uh, because uh it has something to do with uh what they did as kids that was happening around this time of the year. And while they're trying to figure it out, at the castle terminal, we're finally getting the big wedding between uh, Zet and Glita. They're finally getting married. They're finally getting married. You're married. I've been waiting for a while to use that line. And now, what ha- now, Baron Nero actually suggest- tells Zet not to go through with it because he thinks that uh, Madame Noir has a plan, which, to be fair, does seem kind of a... does seem actually kind of like it could be true. I mean, because she was definitely insisting, like, she almost felt like she was literally forcing Glita to do this. Uh, and while they're at the wedding, it turns out that uh, it... Madame Noir indeed was doing this and <clears throat> was indeed doing this for her own personal needs since yeah she's she, she, she scheming you see basically what happens is that Glita devours Zet and to take his own power and she transforms and like she gains this new form which isn't that much different from her original form she just gains a doesn't she gain like claws or something I think I she think gets, that's what her it. eyes her, her eyes change to red. Aren't they? Yeah, they're red. It's just even more creepier than ever. So yeah, which, which I don't think she I don't think it's possible to do that when you're being red. Well, she's more creepy now. <laughs> so Zet's gone, and General Schwartz now takes advantage of this to go and attack the Rainbow Line without restraint, which you know kind of makes sense since Zet kind of made it clear that he didn't want the Tokyo's destroyed since he was fascinated by their shininess. He was researching how to get it. Yeah, and and while they're and while they're doing this, uh, like, meanwhile with the Tokyo's, Wright starts to get the hint that starts to think that uh, remember that the uh, Tokyo's as kids were going to their secret base to see the stars around this time during the summer festival. 
and sorry about that and and Mio starts to and Mio starts to continue with the memory and admits that the memory wasn't as happy as it was I think that was kind of a moment where like Mio reveals it to uh, Kagura I think yeah <clears throat> but while they're out looking the Tokujers get alerted to General Schwartz appearance uh, the Tokujers show up and we finally get a all six transformation for all six Tokujers but unfortunately uh, it's just scammed over because they really don't care about it that much and they're like, eh, they're like, eh. Whatever. And and what happens is that well, to kind of sum it up what happens is that uh, General Schwartz steals Tokuo. The Tokujers are forced to battle with it in Dieselo and Bildio. Glita Glita joins in piloting one of the uh, Darkliner Robos and both the and both uh, Dieselo and Tokyo are no, 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 not Tokyo. Bill Dio are defeated, and that ends, and that ends part one, and it, and we jump right into episode twenty-three. And basically, what happens in twenty-three? Twenty-three, I guess you could kind of say is a new important episode because uh, <clears throat> uh, the Tokuchers regain memories of their hometown, and they actually remember the name of their hometown too, and uh. I actually have it written down here. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, it's okay. I'm just gonna try my best to pronounce it here. It's a uh, Subaru Gahama. Subaru Gahama. Subagurama. Oh, they call all the L and the uh, some translation they call it uh, Pleads Pleads Shore. I think that's what it's called. And I guess in English, maybe. Probably. So, like, so pretty much, like, what the episode is is that Akira's repairing is repairing the Reishas since you know they were obviously damaged by that attack, and the and while the Tokujers are out, they get attracted to this festival that's going on. It's called the uh, Saku, Sakuma Shrine Festival, and <clears throat> that's actually how they regain the memories of their hometown since they remember celebrating that festival as well as kids. And and they end up, and General Schwartz attempts to attack the festival, and and so, and the Tokujers try to fight it off, and ultimately the, and basically how the episode resolves is that uh, Glita attacks with the Imperial uh, Imperial Darkliner, the Tolkujers through their <clears throat> after remembering their hometown I, I'm not sure how this would motivate them to do that but basically what happens is that they they combine Tokyo Dieselo and Bill Dio all together to form Cho-Cho Tokyo Dio yeah <laughs> that's exactly what came to mind the minute I heard that name uh, and what's really interesting is that like Akira was actually one that actually initiated calling it Dio on Dio at the end. He was like, "No, it's called Dio." What's funny though is that like, like when they, like the way that this translate on the overtime overtime subs, it literally tra they literally translated as Super Duper Tokyo Dio. <laughs> That's just wow. 
Like they well, really... so mean super. So how in super say it twice is kind of redundant. Yeah. Super duper. So they defeat. <laughs> so they defeat Tokyo Dio, and we get this really. And we get this really dramatic scene where Glita is wounded, and General Schwartz goes up to her, and he's about to return her feelings. But then Zet, and he actually gets a monster form here, he consumes Glita, and then he, and then like he walks up to General Schwartz, and he like throws him off the river. Well, and that's question then all what happens first is that like he this is a really, this is a really really crazy thing. Like, his hand literally comes out of Gritta, stabs um Schwartz in the stomach, and then just like kinda explodes out of her, you know, in a way. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I actually like his uh, monster form though. Yeah. Yeah, monster form looks really awesome. Uh, I am glad though that he, that they didn't make that his permanent form because if they did, I would have been really angry at that because his human form was part of his charm. So yeah, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that he keeps his human form. He can go back and forth, you know. Yeah, we. I think every Sado person can go back and forth. They see it too. Well, well, if well, yeah, because only Kikari and uh, Zet have done this. I don't think any other. Shadow Moss could do this. Yeah. So, yeah, basically what just happened here is that Aglita has been consumed by Zet, and General Schwartz is supposedly, and keep in mind that I just said supposedly, dead as well. <laughs> Nobody really dies here, ever. I remember Ray, I was like, wow. I thought, that, I thought that Zet was dead. Nope, not at all. So, so after that, we move into the uh, next episode, uh, twenty-four, which I'm. It, it's not really a filler episode. It, it's act. Uh, it's actually kind of important here. Uh, basically, what happens is that the Tolkujers want to find a way, since they know what their hometown is called now. The Tolkujers want to find their hometown, so they start traveling to stations that are already controlled by the shadow line uh at first uh ticket says that at first ticket says that there's no way to get to the shadow line because since they're completely consumed by darkness they're like impossible to impossible to uh come by but akira which you know makes sense since he used to be part of the shadow line reveals that since the drill ratio that he owns used to be a dark liner it, he can actually use that to access a junction between the Rainbow Line and the Shadow Line. The Tol and the Tolkujers use this to enter a Shadow Town. It's uh, <clears throat> it's called uh, it says here uh, you go you go Kenai. go Kenai. Yeah. And while they're there, they encounter a Shadow Monster, and while they find and one thing I really like about them here is that uh. Even though they figure out that it's not their hometown, they still want to free it. So yeah, yeah. That, that definitely shows that even though they do want to find their home, they still care about protecting people and all that. So that's definitely that's definitely very noble of them. Uh, 
and then kind of played for laps. They transform into the Tolkugers, but just as they finish their uh, posing, they de-Henshin, like they lose their powers. And it turns out that because uh, because I'm not sure how this was explained, but apparently when they're in a shadow town, they can only maintain their transformation for 30 seconds. Yeah, that's right. Well, well actually, only when they go via the Jurobresha dimension. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no rainbow connection there. Yeah. So, they're of course forced into retreat because they can't transform. But what happens then is that they come up with a plan that since they can only stay henshin for 30 seconds, a good way to keep them henshined is to use transfer changes. And you might recall in the first video that I said that I didn't really think that there was much of a reason for there to be transfer changes at first, like just for the sake of changing colors. But here, now I can see why there's a reason for the transfer changes. Yeah. So th this is a point where like they actually do seem like a legit thing that can help the Tolkien. So yeah, definitely. I mean, like prior to this, I just thought that it was just a stupid gimmick that was trying way too hard to be like Gokaiger, but now, now I actually get why they why they get that. I mean, I'm not sure if the writer had this in mind while she wrote in the transfer changes at the beginning, but the transfer changes do work here at least, so I like that. And basically, what have so right is a so. The other Tolkugers uh, fight off the uh, foot soldiers, the crows, while Wright goes to confront the shadow monster that conf that controls the shadow town, and <clears throat> and he and they give him all his ratios, and since he's able to uh, do transfer changes with uh, all five of the ratios, he's ultimately able or able to defeat the <clears throat> to defeat the shadow monster and then they destroy him with Cho Cho Tokyo Dio and what's really interesting about it, about these uh this shadow monster is that like there's actually they are actually they actually represents um chess pieces if you will. Yeah. Um this one rep what was, what was this one? Was this was this uh Rook or was it Yeah you saying Rook right so Yeah I think I thought so. Yeah. Also, I found it interesting that when the shadow engulfs a town and completely takes over, everyone freezes. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, it's really important, like, plot-wise. And it's also really interesting just to see, like, the fact that they can all just freeze the town and when they wake up, they have noticed anything even happened to them. It's like a bad dream, almost. Mm -hmm. but but like i said i the whole shadow town and them not being able to stay transformed first off it does make sense and like i said i mean th this this was kind of the point where i started to like the transfer changes since at this point it finally makes sense why they would do that and there seemed to be yeah. a reason for it this is actually where i started liking tokyo sir mm -hmm. like i began liking it with the episode 14 with uh hikari and yep. Akira's appearance was pretty cool, but then this is what kind of, like, sealed it, because things start getting darker. Yeah. And it's not as goofy as I thought it was, and I don't know. That made, that made it more fun for me. 
Now, the next episode, we're not going to talk about much because it's just a lame filler episode. And yeah, we can just skip over it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it. Nothing happens. Well, actually, no, no, no. Uh, a, re- a slightly important thing does happen at the end. Uh, well, okay, just to kind of uh, give you the hint on what it is, it's basically just a lame filler episode where the Tolkujers go to some uh, to some fairy tale based station. Togachi encounters this thing called a Rio Knight. Which, to be fair, is kind of okay because it reveals that like Rio Knight was a creation that he made based on his older brother. So I can kind of like that because it shows that Togachi has a good relationship with his older brother and like looks up to his brother good. But still, it's Togachi, so that really drags it down. And I'm not <laughs> hating on this episode because Togachi is uh, the focal point. It was just really bad filler to begin with. Yeah. Takati just made it worse. <laughs> What happens at the end, though, is that it's is, I, <clears throat> and it actually says right here, and I even wrote this down. Uh, Madame Noir begins to feel that Glita is still alive inside Zet, and we all, and the episode also ends with General Schwartz. So now you know why I said supposedly. And now uh, you know why I say nobody ever stays dead. Uh, General Schwartz is revealed to have survived after. Uh, Zet pushed him into the river and he finds his personal Darkliner still intact. Yeah. Now, the next episode actually is really cool. I like episode 26 a lot. Yep. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, Riz, you like this episode because it's fan service. <laughs> actually, it's not the fan service that really made it the best thing in the world for me. It was the amount of development we get for a certain character. So, as you can... As it's custom with a lot of anime and some Sentai, I guess, there's always like a Bath House episode that just kind of appears out of nowhere for fan service purposes only. So in this one, um, they arrive in a station where it says, uh, which houses like a really cool Bath House, and mm-hmm. Akira and um, the others are like looking for this monster. But instead, they find the bathhouse, and the owner there is dealing with losing it to a lone sark, who's threatening to tear down the bathhouse if he can't be paid the following day. Well, Akira, for whatever reason, is like, oh my god, bathhouse. And he's like, we must go. Like, he's really excited about this. And I really like that, because it... It definitely showed that Akira had more of a personality beyond the whole, oh, this battle will be the battle where I die. I mean, yeah. that can get annoying really fast. So giving him more of a personality beyond that was really welcoming for me. Yeah. And so Akira and Kagura both take a bath at the establishment, which gets the entire group of Tokyo's really interested in helping advertise the bathhouse to get the money to raise it all and save it. Um... But Akira decides to add a discount to the ad, which kind of cuts the funds in half. So they're about to set down the bathhouse, and all of a sudden, the Sato appears, and um, there's like a massive darkness beneath the house that the bathhouse is on. And the Lone Sark that we mentioned earlier is actually a Sato creep called Coin Sato. And he wanted to uh, force the guy out of the building to make a new satellite terminal in its place. 
Well, Tokyo's is transform, kick ass, kill him, as is normal, and they manage to get the bathhouse back up and going, and they, he allows Kagura and Akira one more last bath before they go back under Zerni into, like, pointless nowhere, because they have no direction of where they're going to begin with. And just before anyone asks, no, Kagura and Akira did not bathe in the same place. They had a male and a female area. The only problem that I have with this episode, and ironically it actually is the fan service part, uh, mostly like the scene where like Kagura and Mio are in a bath together. I swear to God, and like I was watching a Mega Ranger episode a few days ago, and there, and there was like this point where the Mega Rangers in their class went to a spa for a field trip, and there's literally a scene where Chisato, Mega Yellow, and Miku, uh, Mega Pink, they're in a bathhouse, and I swear to God. Some of the dialogue that they say is literally the same is literally the same as Mio and Kagura's. Like the Yellow Ranger's worried, the Pink Ranger calls the Yellow Ranger an old man, and then they start playfully splashing each other. It is literally the do same they, thing. Do they compare bus size? No, they don't. I think they do in Tokyo. Oh, they do. I okay. Think so. Well, some of the dialogue is still the same. So, yeah, that was. That's the one thing that kind of bugged me, but hey, fan service, so why should I be complaining? Yeah. And then we get episode 27, which I actually, again, I like this one. So, episode 27, uh, we actually get a, <clears throat> we get two new things. Uh, first, uh, we get the debut of, uh, a new villain, and she's gonna be the only new, uh, permanent new villain that we get. Uh, her name is, uh, Markionis. Is that how you pronounce it? Marcinus Monk, Mork, Monk, I don't know, something like that. Marcinus Mork, Mork. Yep. Uh, she becomes a new villain here, and, like, before we continue on with her, uh, like, I, I just want to say that, uh, Mork really isn't that big of a villain, like, she's pretty much just, like, another Baron Nero, except she's female. She's just there, but she's just evil for evil's sake. She's annoying. She really is. I thought they were going to, like, well, I guess, I know that I didn't really want to kill her off that easy, but... So basically what happens in this episode is that the Tokugers are given a brand new gold-colored ratio called the Hyper Ratio, which I'm not – I'm pretty sure Ticket explains to them that it gives them access to an alternate form. I'm not sure, but they say that the Tokugers aren't strong enough yet to uh, control it, so – isn't that what? Isn't that how it goes? Well, they say that they need a large amount of imagination to oh, use it. Right. So and for whatever reason, in this episode, Wright is uh, feeling kind of intense and kind of down on himself, so he's not really very imaginative, which leads to problems because obviously they choose him to be interested with the uh, golden dress because, well, according to them, he has the most imagination of anyone else in the group. Which is uh kind of again bull but true. whatever so akira at the same time reveals that he's found another junction junction to a shadow town and <clears throat> so they arrive at the shadow town but and they attempt to use the hyper ratio because i'm pretty sure by giving this new power the hyper ratio would probably make them immune to like uh the like would probably give them enough power to like stay henshin beyond just 30 seconds uh 
And but since Wright has come down with a cold, no, 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 a fever. Sorry, he, <clears throat> he's unable to use hyper ratio. So they give they give Hikari the other ratios in the hopes to uh, keep the bishop held off. Go Hikari, and and uh, Akira arrives to help them out. And basically, most of the episode, most of the episode is just uh, Wright trying to is just Wright basically going around the Shadow Town, seeing people in misery, while also trying to figure out how to activate the hyper ratio. Uh, and pretty much the episode resolves with, uh, well, at one point in the episode, uh, Akira does assume his Zara monster form again, which. It's kind of something that he'll do in the series from time to time when he's battling in a shadow town and which is actually kind of cool we're like we're like he depowers his Tokyo Rokugo so he figures oh well I'll just use my monster form to fight instead so that's... yeah it's like oh you don't like my Tokyo powers here let's have to take a shadow power yeah. so right finally manages to uh, activate the uh, hyper ratio to turn into hyper tokyo ichigo uh one thing about this uh power-up mode it's it's pretty much like a shinkinger's power-up mode uh the super shinkinger's and hyper mode too uh uh only one ranger can access it at a time and while we're talking about hyper mode i just gotta say this i think this is one of the worst hyper mo uh super rangers i've ever seen like it's pretty much like it's for a I'm just going to say this because I saw this on Jeff Fusion. For a series that's fueled by imagination, imagination. this power-up mode does not look like it was made with any imagination in mind. No. Ninja has more imagination. It hasn't an ear yet. Well, technically it has. But... Well, technically it hasn't. It is. But, you know, like... And it's just I'm, raw. I'm not sure how to describe it. It's basically like... Just take a golden train and turn that into chest armor, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty lame. It, it's just, it's really lame. Like, also looks really ugly on the ranger. Yeah. Like, whenever I think of a good power, like I think of good power up modes, like I look back at like modes like Super Geki Rangers or the Super Shinkinders, but this yeah. one, that's mm -hmm. like, I I actually can't even think of another power up mode that I really hated, but this one is definitely the first one that I really hate. Uh, hey, even the Ghost Sages one, I didn't even like Ghost Sages. I think that those were better than this. Yeah, now that I think about it, maybe the Super Ghost Sages wasn't that great, but there, like it's it's definitely just. I mean, it's Super Geki Rangers compared to this. <laughs> yeah, one. this one. Yeah, so. Anyway, so uh, through the hyper ratio, they get access to this uh, turntable-like gun called the uh, Dai Kaiten Cannon, which, which admittedly is a cool thing where like the Tokugers load their ratios on the sides, and then like he rotates the hyper ratio around like a turntable to draw their power before shooting it forward. <clears throat> and it reminds me of. Galleon Cannon and uh, Gokaiser, and the Zeo Cannon and Zeo. Yeah. So that that was a pretty cool weapon, I'll admit. Like for a, as bad as Hyper Mode looks, it does give them a pretty cool weapon. Yeah. Uh, uh, we actually get a one-on-one -on -one battle with uh, Zet and Wright, which is actually pretty cool. Uh, 
And then what happens ultimately is that uh, uh, Wright uses the die Kaiten cannon and fires at Zet, but the uh, Shadow Monster, uh, the Keeper of the Shadow Town, takes the blow. Uh, Mork takes Zet away, and they use Tokyo and Bill Dio to defeat the enlarged uh, Bishop. And and Tsutsu D Tokyo Dio comes and destroys the enemy and all as well. Except uh, what happens is that the other Tokyujers end up taking, uh, getting Wright's cult, getting Wright's fever. So, yeah. Eh, it's okay. They they have no purpose in life right now. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> the next episode is probably my most hated Tokyujur episode. It's also more filler. Yeah, it is. Yay, the, the basic premise of this episode is that Wright gets turned evil. Now we've already seen that plot to death. Like almost every single Sentai has at least one episode where one of the Rangers is turned evil. But what pisses, only red. Yeah. But what pisses me off is that Togachi is still made the main focus of this episode. Dang um, you know what it always means? He's second in command, technically. Ikari is a better second-in-command. Yeah. He is second-in-command in real eyes of the game. Basically, uh, Madame Noir uses her powers to turn right against uh, the other Tolkien's, and uh, Wright pretty much just like goes on a rampage and like runs away or something like that. And the Tolkien's go out to try and find Wright, and uh, at the time, uh, Ikari and Togachi are put together, and... I'm not sure how this turns out, but basically the episode kind of resolves with Togachi revealing that he has feelings for Mio to Hikari, and Hikari being the awesome guy that he is. What the heck was that? Sorry about that, an ad popped up on an ad popped up on something. Basically what happens, I really apologize for that. Uh, Hikari being the nice guy that he is, just like says that he won't tell Mio because you know Hikari's awesome and yeah that's pretty much the episode it, it was lame and I really didn't like it yeah now the next episode 29 uh, was actually is actually probably a really cool episode uh, basically uh, and it's also it was also really good for me because uh, this is the first time that someone other than Wright has assumed uh, the hyper mode yay yay and what did you know it? It's our favorite Tokyujur. Uh, Yay. Awesome. Oh, is this that episode with the, uh, the teacher? Yeah. Uh, actually, so. actually, no, no, no. We don't get that episode till later. Okay. Oh. Uh, basically, uh, in this episode, the Tokyujurs are approached by General Schwartz, and, who, as we established in uh, episode 25, is not dead. Dun, dun, dun. And General Schwartz reveals that he has a plan where he wants to get to Zet and free Glita. And in order to do that, he wants the help of the other Tolkien's. Oh, yeah. And, you know, of, of course, like, the Tolkien's are, like, contemplating on whether or not they want to help them since uh, General Schwartz is their enemy. And, the, yep, and <clears throat> that. Uh, there is, I will admit that it was kind of a disappointment with me because seeing 
Hikari be the one who used the hyper ratio. I was really hoping that this was going to be an episode devoted to him, but instead it actually just ultimately amounts to right getting the hyper ratio knocked out of his hand and Hikari sees the hyper ratio and he's literally like, oh, this is here. Might as well use it. Yeah, it's like, oh, why bother? Yeah. I mean, the only thing that really came out of this is that um, right and and General Swartz talk over like a bowl of like noodles at the restaurant, and Swartz is like, I'm not gonna eat this. How would he eat it? Uh, who knows? Converted to darkness. Who knows? <laughs> so, and pretty much the episode ends with General Swartz actually backstabbing the cure uh, the Tokugers. What a shock! And drill uh, racer. Yep, he steals the drill ratio, and I, one thing that's cool about this is that I think I could kind of say that this is kind of one of the episodes where I got the feeling that Akira was starting to warm up to the Tokyo's because for like for like the next few episodes, I always thought that while I wouldn't necessarily say that Akira wasn't the kind of guy who hated the Tokyo's or wanted nothing to do with them, I still felt that he like he still wanted to separate himself with this but we actually see him talking with the Tokugers on the rainbow line here and so so I really liked uh so I really like seeing him on there even though it's just really just a scene that ultimately just ends up being like the Tokugers just make a plan like or like we we'll find General Schwartz and we'll take back the Croatia so so the way that, though I have to admit that the way that Kagura reacts to what Akira says, that was actually kind of adorable. I just like, oh, I like that plan. You know, that's you. You just gotta love Kagura. You can't hate her. Yeah. And speaking of Kagura, that moves us to our next episode, which is our last, which I'm pretty sure is our last episode uh, for this time. So we just covered like uh, 14 around ten episodes. episodes. Yeah. Uh, actually more than that 14 we have, a, we have a filler episode right here but it is actually a very good filler episode uh, basically what happens is that Kagura finds out that it is Mio's birthday September 28th through a, <clears throat> through a memory and she wants to bake a cake and throw her a surprise party and that, pro- that premise already is good because up to this point I always felt that Kagura was kind of being portrayed as one of those characters who's nothing more than just a sidekick character to either Mio or Ikari and maybe Togachi for like episode 16 so for her to actually want to do something by herself I actually really like that um, well, it also gives her like a chance to be something more than like a crybaby too he wasn't much like, he wasn't much of a crybaby though also gets portrayed as one a lot because whenever yeah. she like gets like nervous, he starts like hyperventilating and it looks like she will cry. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so, so basically, what happens with the episode is that uh, Kagura is trying to bake Neo a cake. Uh, a new shadow monster called the Wig Shadow attacks, and all of the <laughs> other five. Tokugers, and a rather funny thing, have these wigs put on their head that have these birds' nests on them, and apparently, uh, 
a bird when a bird hatches from the nest on top of their heads they'll die that's actually kind of dark but it is i was actually kind of surprised that they did that but uh so meanwhile like only those five got affected kagura was unaffected by the uh but a curse because he wasn't there so it was late i'd say where the only real weak point about this is that uh it does debut uh, Hyper Tokyo Sango and to Hyper Tokyo Gogo. That's uh, that's uh, three and five, by the way. But what sucks is that they both transform into Hyper Mode together, and they're and like they double together. And I wouldn't mind it that much, except and I don't and I don't think I'm giving that many spoilers here. But this is the only time that any of them ever transform to Hyper Mode. So for them to just do it together, like that. That just really pisses me off. It kind like, of cheapens the value of the female characters a lot. Yeah, because even uh, in Shinkinger, when uh, when Shinkin Pink and Shinkin Yellow used the Super Shinkinger mode, they they at least did it. They at least did it, and it adds some badass value to their character. Yeah. Yeah, I really did not like that. They they just it just looked weird when they're both using it at the same time. It was actually like, oh, well, it takes two women to have one man, so. It That's seemed kind of like, like, offensive and like, you know, like, oh, well, only two girls could use it, use it at once, so it's like. Yeah. So, and yeah. This, I, and this is a Kagura episode, so you're like, you know, let Kagura have her moment. Yeah, it. But at the same time, I can see why they wanted Mia to have it too, because it's kind of her birthday. And they're trying to sell like the friendship between Kagura and Mia, but why zone them at the hips, so to speak? Exactly. It. So yeah, that that kind of sucked, but still, uh, pretty and pretty much the episode ends with them just defeating, uh, using the hyperation armor to defeat, uh, the Wig Shadow, and then destroy him with Chocho Tokyo Dio, and then Mia's surprise birthday party goes pretty well. So, and so. So really, like aside from the from the lame thing with like having Hyper Tokyo three and Hyper Tokyo five together, it's a really good episode because I don't think Kagura's had an episode devoted to her since that episode where uh, she broke uh, Hikari's Kendama. So so it, it was really nice to see an episode devoted. Actually, to her. I would say that that was. The last real episode where she was a character woman was when she was in the coffin. Oh wow, and that was even that was before the Kingdom episode. Yeah, because so, I mean that was more like, yeah, she was involved in it because she brought the Kingdom, but that was like a joint character development thing more than like a singular. So yeah, I I really liked this episode. It was a, uh, it, it was a filler, but again, it's one of those moments where, well, actually. The, the, I will admit that the premise of this episode was done before also once uh, I, I don't want to say but it, it was done in a Ghost Sager episode this episode is ten times more badass than the Ghost Sager episode so I mean it's not much to brag about being better than a Ghost Sager episode but still I mean still I, I really liked it yeah I haven't seen Ghost Sager but I do like the, uh, the Tokyo episode for it and I think that's about it with the episodes we said we were going to do today. Yeah, and um, just to do my last final thoughts on this. Um, we get a little bit of plot. We get some stuff happening here. Like, we get the uh, glitter 
and that thing going, we get the new range there. But, and we get a new mode, but other than that, I mean, nothing. Nothing new really is going on. There's no, like, we're 30 episodes in at this point. We just finished episode 30. And we still don't have, like, any direction on where we're going. There's no, like, oh, you have to do this or do that. It's go defeat the shadow town and get the people back. I mean, yeah, I know we're trying to get to the hometown now, but even then, like, we need more to go off of to make this more interesting. Yeah. And I, yeah. Know, I, I know it sounds like I'm kind of, you know, really going off on Tokyo. I kind of liked it. It wasn't the worst since I've seen so far, but it wasn't the best either. I was... I... I guess by this point, I, w I had just kind of, like, especially by episode 30, I had kind of just cemented it in my head that the only three characters that I really cared about were uh, pretty much the last three, literally, like Hikari, Kagura, and Akira. Yeah. Uh, like, like, and looking back at Akira, like, so far, like, like I said, I, I like him being a loner because we don't, I think Gosei Knight from Gosei was the last loner sixth ranger that we had. So I like Akira as a character. Uh, and I guess it, it just really was kind of ticking me off how Kikari wasn't getting any episodes devoted to him by this point. Mm -hmm. it, it really made me mad. Uh, you got anything to say, Anthony? Uh, just was really what y'all was saying. Like, you just not much to talk about. Well, I mean, nothing really happens. So there's not much to talk about to begin with for that reason. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think if that's it, then, uh, we are Tokyo Secrets and we're signing up for tonight. Um, if you like what we've been talking about the last few parts of the Tokyo rant, uh, series review, then comment, let us know what you think, um, share us, like us, subscribe to us, whatever it is you have to do to stay in contact. Uh, we got a Facebook page for Anime Secrets on Facebook, and we have a Twitter. Follow us there. We're going to be posting some really cool stuff over the next few weeks. And, uh, stay tuned. We have part four coming to y'all pretty soon as well after this. So a lot of fun stuff coming. So uh, farewell, good night, and uh, again, thank you for watching and have a good day. Peace, guys.